Hi, folks. This is Gospel of Kennison number 44, and this is the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. Find out more about what I do at NLCast.com or my personal blog, JamesKennison.com. Something awesome happened today, and I wanted to share it with you. It's been nearly a month since my last GOK, and... um. The re- the simple reason is I seem to be going through these phases, and I've kind of always done this, but I think it's a little more exaggerated these days, uh, where my interest level wanes. And not even so much that as I get distracted easily and I kind of fixate on something. And I think that's the uh, manic side, which I'm very blessed, a.k.a. lucky, um, that that's the case because some people, when they go manic, they buy cars, um, go get girlfriends. I don't know. I just heard lots of stuff. Me, I I don't want to record a podcast and I want to play uh, zombie shooting video games. Seven days, seven days to die. <laughs> it's my latest. Sounds sounds like a terrible name, but uh, and it is a terrible name. It is it is a terrible name for a video game. Um, it should be called zombie survival or something cool, not seven days to die because I'm on day 47 and I'm surviving, dude, I'm thriving, I'm looting places and stuff. But anyway, I've been doing that a lot. And, um, next, you know, next I'll switch to music. I'll put out a couple songs. You just wait. This is not a plan. This is just predictions. That'll be something else. But anyway, enough about that. Something awesome happened today. It's Sunday, Sunday night. It's 1130 at night. And uh, today, something um, that I that I at one point in my life thought would never happen again actually happened. And that is that I was able, um, I was allowed to enter a, a church building and, and pretend to be a pastor again and actually uh, deliver a sermon. And for the lay, layman, that, that may seem like not a big deal. But imagine the one thing you're best at. And then imagine that a year, seven months, and two days ago, that was ripped from you by yourself. But because <laughs> March 3rd, Sunday, 2013, I think, or 12. I don't know. One of those dates. It was a year, seven months, two days ago today. That was my last Sunday. It's my last sermon. And um, in the darkest times of my depression, anxiety, bipolarism, blah, 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 I was absolutely sure that I wanted no part in, in that almost aggressively um, I'm still not thrilled with the identity of, of a pastor. I don't want to be known as a pastor because the way people act when they meet you. And I do love that about my little church that I go to is that until today, nobody knew who I was. But I did enjoy sharing from my heart and teaching from an entirely new perspective because after what I've been through 
and I haven't been through nearly what other folks have been through. I don't claim to have the corner on the suffrage suffering market, but uh, I have suffered, and it and it's changed the way I view um, God, uh, Scripture, aka the Word, uh, my relationship with God, the way I live it out, the way I. Um, you know, view others, everything. And it's not that any of those things have changed. It's all been me. And I'm not even going to say that I'm glad that it happened. Because <laughs> then I'd have to say I'm glad I got depressed. I'm glad I lost my job. I'm glad that my kids had to quit their school and go to another school. I'm glad. You know, I'm not glad for any of that. I'm not thankful for any of that. But... um if I had to go through it, at least there was not a purpose. I'm not, I'm not prepared to go there yet because it was still largely well, 100% genetics that brought it on. There's no spiritual cause. It was coming for years. But I am thankful that there is an outcome that is positive. About that. I'm glad I preached. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I am going to actually give you the opportunity to hear that sermon. I am not going to play it on this episode of GOK. It will be in episode 45. I will just make that episode 45. Um, in this episode, I will just basically talk about it and uh, talk about how it happened. So let me just do that, you know. Uh, we've been going to this little church for a while, and and the the pastor knew I was a another a fellow pastor, but he doesn't he doesn't know much about me, which is fine, which is great, because the last thing I wanted, I mean, it is a little church, and I'm when I say little, I mean very small, building wise, people wise, great folks. Real, but small. Humble. Um, which is why I was drawn to it. You know, I, I worked at Sheffield. There was a church of over 5,000 people. You know, at its peak, I was seeing 350 kids a weekend. And that was just first to fifth grade. Not to mention another 99 in uh, pre-K and another 100 in nursery moved from there to church here locally in St. Pete. That was a smaller church. And I found myself laughing at that during the sermon. You'll hear it. Um, church of, you know, 500 seems small. And, uh, you know, after that didn't work out too well. <laughs> And I had to give up my job. Going to this little church uh, was great. My point was, though, that I'm glad he didn't know that. He, I, I'm glad he didn't know where I'm from. Because sometimes guys can get intimidated. And, and there's nothing about me that's impressive or intimidating. So it wasn't even warranted. So either way, what I'm saying is I'm glad that I had anonymity. I'm glad he didn't care. I'm glad it wasn't a big deal. I'm glad that he didn't get dollar signs in his eyes either. I, I went to another church and 
you know, the guy was really accepting and really nice and, and told me we could come there and just rest up and not, you know, not have to do anything and be anonymous. And, and then, you know, the children's pastor got fired and all of a sudden he was pursuing me and I, I knew it and I can't blame him because it would have, you know, hiring a children's pastor is a very daunting task. Anybody that's had to do it will tell you. There's not many decent ones out there. And uh, so this guy, though, at this little church has never done that. Never, never gone after me, never done anything. And and I, I have greatly appreciated that. So we've been able to sit there, whatever, what have you. And I've never asked for anything. I've never asked for special treatment. Uh, I haven't even, you know, I haven't done anything. I haven't gone to Sunday school. I go on Sunday nights, um, sometimes just by myself. But I don't, I, I haven't done anything pastoral at all in there, not even as a, you know, a volunteer uh, other than I painted his, I painted his office. I like working. If I'm going to do anything, I want it to be behind the scenes. I want it to be, you know, not obvious, whatever, helpful, like re- legitimately helpful, not just Sunday helpful. Cause I know how it is. I've been on that side. So uh, all that to say, um, the other Sunday, last Sunday, week from today, um, I was there on a Sunday night. I'd come in to help with sound. So I guess I lied. I, I did get asked to do sound a couple weeks ago, and I have done it for two, exactly two weeks. Uh, but I was I was leaving, you know, it's leaving with them. And I, and I just, I don't know, I just mentioned there's reasons why I did it. But, but I thought I would... I, <clears throat> I have to preach at least four times before the end of December, or I lose what are called credentials. I have credentials. I have a paper that says I'm a pastor in this denomination, and I worked hard for that, and I don't want to lose it. But there are requirements, and one of them is you have to preach a minimum of at least you know so-and-so times, and that's just because it's one of the ways that they they know if you're still involved. They don't want a bunch of people on the on the list that are you know working at the paper mail, which, you know, it's fine. So if you're legit, you, you're probably, you know, have a chance to preach four times. I mean, there's 52 Sundays in a, in a year, so it's not a, a, a huge requirement, but for somebody who's been fatally <laughs> depressed and, uh, and unable, I, I thought for sure I was going to be losing those things, but I got this girl in my life. Her name is Jewel. Those of you that listen to nobody's listening, know her as homeschool Jewel. And this girl wants me to do her wedding. And I have, I have been asked um, again and again and again by different people to do their wedding. And I've always said no, um, primarily because I don't want to do a wedding. It's nerve wracking. It, I mean, even when I was okay, I didn't want to do a wedding. I don't like weddings. I don't like funerals. I don't like performing funerals. And my first one, wouldn't you know it, was for an eight-year-old girl. Ugh, hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is get up there and preach about God when everybody's going, why did he let this happen? So, yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And and I, I've said no to some people that I love deeply. But when Joel asked me, I don't know what it is about the girl. I, I actually do. It's like... I see myself in her and I see her getting her crap straight a whole lot 
sooner than than I ever did, and I look forward to seeing what that looks like as she continues to blossom and grow and become who God wants her to be. And um, so I'm kind of, I guess, very. It's not even about her. It's not about you, Jewel, because I know you're going to listen to this because Hannah's going to tell you. <laughs> and then because you only listen to the ones that you're mentioned in, you told me that. It's not about you. It's really about me because I see myself in you, and I'm going to, uh, you know, get off on on seeing this because you were a mess when we first met. You were a homeschool mess. You're you're sheltered. Um, you were spiritual in all the wrong places and unspiritual in all the all the right ones. And uh, <laughs> and I didn't do anything, but but you put yourself in the right place. Uh, to learn and grow and change. And I want to be a part of that story. So I said yes. Or I want to continue to be a part of that story. I'm already a little bit a part of that story. I, I actually blame Jen for most of it. I'm I'm the gateway drug to Jen, my wife. She's the one that's really awesome. So um, all that to say that I had to get over my last bit of hang-ups about church and doing church and preaching and all that so that I could keep my credentials. So I told the guy that night as we're walking out, pastor, just, I don't know, just randomly said it. I, I it's so mind blowing what I, the, the words, because it was something so far beyond not only what I, there was a point I couldn't do it. And then there was a point I didn't want to. And now I've moved into maybe wanting to, and then, and then I jumped past that into got to, because I said, Pastor, if you know, if you're ever interested, um, you know, if you ever need somebody to fill in, I would. And he's looking at me, and I'm kind of stumbling on my words, and I'm like, I need to preach four times before the end of December. And he just laughed, threw his head back, and I said, Yeah, so whenever, you know, if you if you have if you have a spot, if you want it, he goes, What about next Sunday? Is that is that Soon enough, or not soon enough, he said, is that enough notice for you? And and then right then my mind goes blank. I can't even think about what day it is, how far away that is. It felt like he was asking me to preach that night, and the night was already over. I was like panicking for just a second, and I realized, no, that's seven whole days away. That's awesome. And, and, and James, you used to do up to three services a week for kids. You can handle this. And uh, that's actually what I said, and I probably sounded like a real jerkwad. I'm like, I used to do three services a week. Um, surely I can handle this. So then it was like real. And so all the way home, I'm trying to call my wife, and my wife doesn't have a phone. She does. It's an iPhone, same as mine. But I call it a pager because every time I need to get a hold of her, <laughs> she doesn't answer the phone. She puts it on mute for work and then never takes it off. So I call it a pager because it vibrates. And when it's not on your hip, you're not going to hear it. It's not in your purse. Or if it's in your purse, you're not going to hear it. So it's just a little thing. It's the only thing that she does wrong. Everything else, perfect. But that one thing, annoying and makes up for all the perfection, balances it out, so to speak. So I can't get hold of her the whole way home. Finally do. And I tell her and, and, rather than being thrilled, she told me tonight that she was actually stressed the whole week and she didn't even quite know why. And as the event got closer and closer, it kind of, I found her struggling to support me. And, and tonight she told me 
it's because she was having flashbacks or whatever subconsciously to those last months where, or even the last year where she would have to, there was so much involved in trying to get me to preach, dragging me out of bed, waking me up hundreds of times, me crying and walking to the shower and having to get dressed and, you know, pulling it off. But, but, you know, just barely and all the stress and strain that that had to put on her. And, uh, I was very happy to have gotten up this morning just on my own. I would say that it was discipline and awesomeness, but it was because I had to go to the bathroom really, really bad, and it just happened to be when everybody was eating breakfast. <laughs> so I, I, was, uh, I was awesome, and I didn't even mean to be because my wife uh, saw me get ready, get out the door. Everything was fine after it was over. You know, She finally let her hair down. And she told me that's what it was. She didn't even know. But anyway, so I get home, I tell her. And, um, you know, you get things in your head that you want to talk about. And, um, and you think you've got it all figured out. And then when you sit down to try to write it, I got to imagine anybody that writes anything has that problem. You have this wonderful idea. And then when you try to get it out on paper, it's just not as concrete as you thought it was. And long story short, because you're going to hear the dumb thing, is I decided to write it out as if I was writing a blog or doing one of these, a GOK. And, and I don't even mean style. I mean realness. I deleted anything and rewrote it if I felt like I was falling into the default way to say things at church. And I hope that you will find when you listen, whether you like it or hate it, it's kind of irrelevant because if you listen to it, you're going to be exposed to it and you're interested in it. And so I will make that assumption and I will say that hopefully you will find that if anything, it's authentic. Even if you don't believe in God, you will definitely get the impression that that I definitely have been tested and still do. And have very little reason to (laughs) still. But, um, well, actually, I have one big reason, and that's the the end of the sermon, so I won't spoil it. but, um, But I sat down and wrote it all out. And the things started coming back to me. And I and I would say that it was spiritual stuff, but it wasn't. It was the practical stuff. When you do when you preach for 13 years, when you do a sermon every single Sunday, sometimes twice a week, you you get habits and patterns that you do, especially about like say your sermon notes. And I had this way that I do it that's based off my mentor, one of my mentors, Pastor uh George Westlake, uh from Sheffield. He, I took a class under him, and he talked about all the things they don't teach in hermeneutics and homiletics and all the preaching school classes. And he talked about how he does his sermon notes. He doesn't put them on big old piece of paper. He puts them on half sheets and folds them up into a booklet, and it fits in his Bible. And it's not all flapping around with staples and stuff like that on the corners. And I love that. And I took it to the next level because he's a typewriter, dude. And um, I got myself a template. 
And I used that for years. I, I didn't make a booklet. I just clipped the corner and I, I flipped pages, but it was still small, fit well. But the last year or so, I, I went ahead and took the plunge. I figured out how to set up a, a booklet template where it, you know, because that is hard. If you ever tried to make a multi-page, multi-page template, um, it's very difficult. Uh, page one is on the back of this page and that page. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare. You have to have pretty much, um, CS Lewis genius or, um, some sort of preexisting way of printing that you can just modify. And that's what it did. And, um, I, I printed out my notes and then I remembered, Oh, wait a minute. I, I just barely in the back of my head and some dusty cobweb back room storage, department of my mind i remembered about that template and i dug it up on my old church laptop that i bought from the church legitimately and uh i cut and pasted all my stuff in there there was an old sermon on it you know but probably the last one i ever did printed it all out got it all set up and folded in half and realized i didn't have a stapler that would staple (laughs) Uh, what is it? Eight and a half by 11. So five and a half inches into the, the document, you know, to, to make them stick together. I also needed a stool. So I, 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 I called the pastor or I texted him or something. Hey, do we have a stool at the church? He says, I don't think so. I needed one for a object lesson that I will tell you about because you're not going to be able to see it in the, in, you know, in the audio, the next episode. So I called my old church. I knew we had tons of them and um, I went there and I had to see a lot of people from my past. <laughs> it was like a movie where everything's themed and uh, it was like, Hey, you're preaching again. Well, you're going to go back to the last place you preached and you're going to have to deal with that. But I needed a stool and I didn't want to pay 35 bucks for object lesson prop, you know? So I uh, I called my old boss and he said, sure, come on out. And I brought the kids with me to help me out because I figured if anybody attacked me, they would probably attack my kids first because they're cuter. And if I was freaking out or something, I could just kind of walk away and leave the kids, you know, and uh, we'd just come pick them up later somewhere. I don't know. But um, it went it went fairly. It went well. It went well. He's an awesome guy. My, pro, you know, never had a problem with him. Never, never, never. We even talked a little bit about, you know, coming back around, how everything's uh, working out, everything's getting good. Um, but as I was walking out of the out of there, I remembered that the there's something called a saddle stapler, and it's a stapler that you put your folded document on, and it staples the the crease there, you know, to make a booklet. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, can I bug you one more time? I mean, he'd already taken me all around the church unlocked. I don't know how many doors I bug him again. Please just let me go into this. I know in the craft room or the paper room, there's this and this, we get in there. It looks exactly the same year, seven months, two days, or one day at that point, exactly the same. Nothing's changed except that saddle stapler is gone. But, uh, that was another one. It's an exciting story, isn't it? But all that to say that, I started getting confident after, especially after the work was done. Cause I started on, I want to say Wednesday night and then I worked Thursday and Friday and I finished things up Friday night. But then I, I just went through everything notes wise and kind of studied what I'd done on Saturday. And, um, 
it was it was just neat that the old tricks of the trade were still there. Stuff I'd forgotten about, you know. I don't know. I don't know how to relate that to anything anything else, but it's just it's neat to know that there there are I I guess it's this. I've gone all this time, you know, 556 days or 52 days, however many I counted. Um, feeling like a failure, feeling like a loser, feeling like I had nothing redeemable. And so every little thing, even stupid remembering the way I formatted sermon notes and being able to get that accomplished, even stapled. Um, I don't know. For me, it it was good. It's a good feeling. I don't know. It'd be like getting, you know, not riding a bike for years and getting back on, thinking you're going to crash and burn, and you just take off. You know, like nothing ever happened, like nothing ever changed, and that's a good thing. And I like my notes all book booklified. I don't have to flip pages. I just turn them all gently and stuff. It looks like I'm going through my Bible. It's it's awesome. So this morning, I, I got there about a half hour early. I had my um I had my I had a PowerPoint presentation that was absolutely awesome. It was synced up with the sermon. I I had my friend Jewel bring me from Lakeland uh, a a clicker. Uh, it's a remote RF remote clicker. I'd given it to her. She used it when she was a children's pastor. She stepped down uh to I guess to get married and um and doesn't need any more offered to bring it back. She drove all the way from Lakeland, got it to me at 11:30 at night. Saturday night, Sunday morning, I go in there early, get everything set up, get the stuff transferred, open up PowerPoint, you know, check the clicker and it's all programmed and everything's going. And I get up there to start preaching and I go to push the button and nothing, black screen, nothing. And I'm talking to the girl in the back that's trying to do stuff and the look on her face is, I don't know what's wrong. And uh, luckily, though, I don't, at least this time, Nothing I was doing was dependent on that uh, slideshow. So I just trudged on. Later on, it did pull up. She got some stuff put up on the screen, some key things, my title slide that I made uh, by hand in Photoshop, and then um, a, a little illustration of a, of a baby eating a cupcake. Um, but let me tell you this part. Um, backing up a little tiny bit, we, we, uh, we're about to go to bed Saturday night. I get a text from the pastor and he says, what's your title? What's the title of your sermon? And it was so odd that he would ask that because I've never, ever titled a sermon in my life. Never with children's church. You don't do that. You're, we're talking about cavities today you know that's not what we talk about but whatever it is we're talking about david and goliath or we're talking about some character thing or we're talking about the life of christ or we're talking about this miracle or this proverb or whatever it's always based on whatever you know scripture you're talking about there's there, there's no need for a title you might have a series that you're doing you know we're going to talk about david and goliath for four weeks it's called giant dun, dun, dun. but uh yeah so anyway and i've preached big church before but uh, this time I felt like I needed a title. I'd even done a title slide. And he calls me or texts me and says, what's your title? And I said, J- it, uh, James. My title is James. Uh, Mr. James is my title. Um, I told him the title. I, I went through several that I 
wanted to use, but um, I went with under the icing, which is uh, without context is the most ridiculous title in the world. But my intention was to use it and then qualify it very, very quickly in the sermon and refer to it often. Um, (laughs) When I pulled in to church this morning, um, did I mention they have a brand new sign? They, they spent some money, got a brand new church sign. Church signs, if you don't know, if you're not familiar, um, often have replaceable letters, like a used car lot does, you know, where you can put a message underneath your church name. Uh, everyone welcome. Or you could do one of those sentence sermons like, aren't you glad Mary didn't believe in abortions? Or... A Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. Or, cheer up, Moses was a basket case too. I could go on, because my friend and I have been swapping these things back and forth via text for years, because we have a love-hate relationship with uh, sentence sermons, not so much church signs. But those little one sentence pithy sayings that say, yeah, try to, I, I, uh, don't get me started. It's another GOK. So we have one of those. And up till now, it has always just said, everyone welcome, you know. But in order to, I guess, bless me and, and, uh, you know, kind of like honor me, when I pulled in this morning, it said, um, today's sermon, and then in quotes it said, under the icing, and then underneath that it said, by uh, James Kennison, and, and my name is absolutely freaking huge. <laughs> and I said, Jen, did you see that? She says, yes. I'm like, oh, oh. Because I'm the guy that I, I, I just wanted to kind of slip in. It's like Batman. I'm going to slip in to Commissioner Gordon's office. I wanted to have my discussion, and then I want to be gone before he's even done with his sentence, you know? I want to get in and preach and slip out the back door before anybody has a chance to hate it or hate on me or anything like that. Because I'm full of, you know, insecurities and, and worries and things like that. But but I, I, I loved it in that I know the heart behind it and I appreciated it. But I'm always been the kid that even when I was little, I don't like people singing happy birthday to me. I don't like all the attention at, I don't do it at, at Chili's, you know, the one time somebody did do it, I, I got up and walked away. I, I don't, I don't mean to be a rear end. I just don't like the attention. And this was kind of, you know, smacking of that, but I looked past that obviously and saw the heart behind it. And I was absolutely humbled and honored. And I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. So uh, it was rad. And I sent it to my friend who's been swapping <laughs> swapping uh, church signs with me for years. And I bet his name's never been on church sign. it. So anywho... My nervousness, I kind of mentioned it. I, I'm not one that gets nervous. I've talked in front of thousands of people, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. It's, it's not that 
I've talked in front of small groups, you know, before. My nerves go kind of frazzly on on these things right here. I, I know what I've written down and what I've studied is true and real and heartfelt because I, I bled and sweated and cried over the whole thing, you know. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader thing. I was like several times... There, there better be some tears in the audience, it, as I'm writing this crap out. I know that, so I know that I got my junk together there. I know that God is behind me. You know, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's powerful. He can do what he wants to do. My, it's always been this way. My nerves are always frazzled around the connection of the two. Because if you're a pastor, then you know the feeling of, of how the, preparation can be so intimate and so awesome and you just feel God's there. You feel uh, the words coming. And then when you speak them, they feel like they're falling out on the floor before they even go off the edge of the pulpit, just boom, right down. Like they're not connected with anybody. It's not anointed or whatever they call it. It's, it, it has no power, no life. We've all been there. All of us. You've been there. No. But pastors have. Anybody that's ministered done Sunday school, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. So I we call that the anointing, okay? Just the the touch of God on what you're doing. You know, it's I've always kind of seen it as like, you know, a five hour energy drink to your sermon. But I need that. I rely on that. And I'll tell you why, because as much as I said I trust what I've written, I I know that it's just words and you can get up and and we've all heard people just talk like I'm doing right now. And you either listen or you hear and it either bounces off your forehead or it goes through your brain and touches your heart. And I wanted it to do that. And so my nerves are always there. So as I'm sitting there in Sunday morning service and worship's going on and a lump is rising in my chest, not in my throat like you would think. I'm like, what is this? What is this? Well, I was just thinking everybody's going to hate this. It's not going to work. It's going to be bad, you know. Just not a panic attack for a change, thank God. No, no heavy breathing, no pain, no chest pressure but just normal nerves. And I just said, and, and you'll see this theme in the, in the sermon. I kind of thought of, of a part of it about surrendering and about not being able to handle life at times and how, how that works. I don't want to spoil it, but I applied that in that moment to myself. And I'm like, you know what? I got to give this up. I got to quit caring i i i have to trust that if god wants the message that i believe he gave me said that he will do the stuff and the thing and the anointing and all that and and i'm telling you i i don't get this very often that instant relief thing unless i'm you know talking about itch spray or toothpaste you know those kind of things have an instantaneous effect on your on your life um but i did i i felt an instant release of that and it was so good it was so good and then all of a sudden i'm like why do i freaking care everybody seems really cool here why was i tripping um and i got up and and the 
and the um, I, I, the PowerPoint didn't work, and the clicker didn't work, and you know, and normally that would have just thrown me off. But I decided before that if it didn't work, I would just go on. I really didn't need it. It was just icing. <laughs> it's extra. It was fluff. It would have been fun, but not necessary. And uh, I went about 53 minutes. That's what my count was. That's a long sermon. But gum! after a year and a half, a month, and two days, wouldn't you think you'd have a lot to say? I, I got my recorder, and I had it sitting next to me. And I figured I'm going to do a half hour. I'm going to get this done in a half hour, 45 minutes on the long end. That'll be just about right. And I got, I go through telling my story. We call that a testimony, but I call it a story. And it's kind of just letting them know a little bit about where I was so that they would know how big of a deal it was that I fell and, or, you know, had the failure and had to quit and all that. And as I'm, I'm not even three quarters away to that. I look down at my little recorder ticking off the seconds and it's already 19 and a half minutes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Cause I had four points and a conclusion. And, um, you're only supposed to have three. That's what they say, but it was natural. I taught on Psalm, uh, six, no, Psalm three, five and six, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It's, a, it's basically a, a verse that I thought one way about before all of my pain. And it's a, I think about it a completely different way now. And so I wanted to introduce people to what happened, how it changed me, and then introduce them to what is under the icing um, what is under the surface, what is under the sweetness of Scripture. Because I believe that a lot of times, um, and it, it happens a lot, and, and I, I don't want to name names, but there are pastors out there, all they do is preach about happy stuff all the time. And that's that's great. There's this one part I say in the sermon that, The problem is with that is when things go wrong, we find that we don't know. We've been taught how to be good Christians and when everything's going great, but nobody ever teaches us what to do when it's not great. And so that's kind of what I did today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding in all your ways submit to him. I hope you will enjoy that. I hope you will. Let me tell you a little bit about the um, the object lesson, because I had that stool, if you remember. So there's one part in the sermon where I'm talking about, it's it's a hard concept for me to explain, because it, it borders on blasphemy, I think, for some people, the way they, the way they think. But I'm challenging people on the way they believe about God, because lean not on your own understanding. I think that applies to how we understand God. And and I believe that if you plant a flag and say, this is how God is, then you have created an idol because God is not, he is not within the scope and realm of our understanding. If he was, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be interesting. He wouldn't be everything the Bible says he is. And so you can understand something about him, but you cannot limit him by that. And people do, and they get this little 
pocket or purse full of little promises and things. And they don't even know if they're real. They just heard it at some church service or they read it off a bumper sticker and they add that to their belief. They read it off some Pinterest or some Facebook wall and they're like, yeah, and they believe it as much as they do scripture. God's always going to be there. He did it before. He could do it again. He is going to bless me coming and going. Praise the Lord. And um, the thing is, I'm not saying what's true and what's not true. I'm saying that you, a lot of people put their belief, not in God, but in their beliefs about God. Another way to say that simply would be they believe that they, they, they trust, they have a relationship with his works more than they do with him. And I've been, I was guilty of that. And that's why I use this object lesson. <sighs> Because um, you don't, you, you. I'll just say it this way: there are some things you can depend on God for, and one of those things is you can depend that sometimes God is going to say no. Sometimes God is going to move and help you, and other times He is not. And that is something that's not preached very often these days. We want to talk about happy God, you know, Jesus God, the the great, wonderful God. And we wonder, how is he so different from the Old Testament God? Oh, I'm glad we don't have to serve that one. Well, guess what we do? No, he's not, you know, sucking people into chasms and and all that. But um, he does say no. Okay? People die. Ultimately, everyone dies. Um, so if you have this idea in your head that that can't happen and you can't let God be God when he is God, it's going to throw you for a loop. So my object lesson was this. Uh, I had a stool. Stool was just a table. I had a, I had a Hebrew lexicon. It was a big old thing. I, I couldn't find a giant Bible. I don't own one. So this was it. And that was God. And then I had a big old stack of 110 uh, CDRs. They're so cheap these days. Stacked them up on top of that. And then I put a copy of uh, Brandon Manning's uh, Ragamuffin Gospel or whatever on top to symbolize us. And I said, here's, you know, God at the bottom, our beliefs in the middle, and us on the top. And this is how we connect with God, is God is good, and he is gracious, and he is good, but not as we understand goodness. He is awesome, but not as we understand awesome. He is a provider, but he also, at times, does not provide. It's just a reality, and people don't like hearing that, but it's true. I've experienced it, and other people in other countries have experienced it, Christians you know, who have been beheaded have experienced a lot more than what I'm talking about. So I shake the bench or the stool, talk about life comes along and boom, you know, all this falls apart. Of course, the book stays up on the stool and the little book goes flying. My daughter comes up to help me. She comes up to help me uh, because that was what we talked about ahead of time. She wanted to be involved. She didn't want to go to children's church. She wanted to stay in there. And so I gave her a job and while I was explaining what was supposed to be, which is the book, a God book, the us book, and then we stacked all the CDs on top of it, she was, you know, getting all that together. She put it up there and she went back and sat down. 
And uh, of course, then I'm talking about, you know, it's fine to have these beliefs, but you cannot base your relationship with God on them because God doesn't change. People people misunderstand that, though, uh, to assume that you've seen every aspect of who he is is foolishness. And so though he doesn't change, it doesn't mean that he's not going to deal with you differently at different seasons in your life. He is immeasurably and unmistakably and you know above and beyond anything that we could ask or think. He just he's huge. He's amazing. So I shook it this time and the books of course stay together. And all the DVDs go flying. My daughter jumps up quick to go fix it. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. We'll fix it afterwards. I bring her up because, and I'll close with this. <laughs> she uh, She's sitting next to me. She's so excited. I already told you she was willing to sit through it. And she said, this is your great comeback. And I said, well, it's a comeback, but I I don't know if it's going to be great. And, you know, that was kind of the end of that little thing. And But after it was over, I immediately start picking up CDs off the ground, and Jenna jumps up, brings the box up, and starts to clear it with me. And I, I just kind of hear her say it, to almost to herself. And she says, I think we could put the great back in the comeback. And, um, you know, I talk about a made my day moment. That was it. Because what broke my heart and I, I've probably even said it on this very show was my fears of how my kids were going to perceive me and how I wasn't able to be their children's pastor. She even said something before. I, I don't remember what it was. I said, this will be the first time I've done this. I haven't done pastor things in a long time. And she goes, Dad, you teach us stuff about God every single day. And though that may have been a little bit of an overstatement, I don't sit them down and teach them stuff. But in a way, I do. And I'm glad. So it went well. I came home. and Or no, we went and ate lunch at uh, Payway. If you have a Payway in your city, you need to go eat there. I suggest the honey glazed chicken with uh, fried rice. You can change it out. It costs a little more, but it's so good. I told you there's like 10 people that go to my church. We've never bumped into anybody we've known from any church, even my old church, which was bigger, ever. And wouldn't you know it, two ladies, one of which that I thought was giving me the stink eye the whole time. <laughs> it's apparently just her resting, you know what, face. Um, but she came by and saw us, and and both of these ladies, I think they're both widows, Um. But, you know, one of them says, my husband dealt with depression on and off for 40 years. You know, this was obviously before there was really anything to be done about it. And there was just such compassion in her eyes when she looked at me. And then the other lady, 
said, and, and my, my father, I grew up underneath him. He was manic depressive and, um, borderline schizophrenic. And, and I'm like, I just, I, you know, I just floored. I'm floored. Cause I'm I, pre-service. I'm going, they're going to hate this, but you know, I've come to find out there's kind of like, there's always these two kinds of people in the world. There's, but in this case, it's so true. There's people that have brushed against depression or experienced it or love someone that has experienced it. And then there's people that are clueless and, and don't know anything. And so they don't understand. So I was thrilled to find out that there were people that understood because before we left, as we're walking out the door, another guy that I thought could have cared less for me. I, as I was preaching, I would see him nod his head, you know, when I would make a point or something. And usually that means that they, they definitely agree with it. And he comes up to me kind of sheepishly because we'd never really introduced to each other. You know, it's that weird thing where you're supposed to have done it and you didn't. And, and now you've, <laughs> it's weird. So you don't, and, uh, but he came up and he says, well, that was really good. I says, I saw you nodding your head back there. And, and he just kind of got quiet. And I don't know if it was because he didn't want everybody to know, but he says, I, I can relate about that depression thing and losing, losing ministry. He says, it's been a number of years now, but, and he just kind of shook his head. And and I know, I know what that is. It's because you can't describe it. You cannot describe it without sitting down and talking and telling the entire story. And when you're a depressed person that doesn't want to be depressed, I guess, I'm sure there's people that you know love love to do it, but I don't want to bore people with my story. And he didn't either. So it was good. It was good. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's going to be, it's going to be something else and it will be following this. So this is 44. Um, that'll be GOK 45. Um, I can't think of anything else to add other than I'm thrilled that it happened. Somebody asked me on Facebook, are you happy or how did it make you feel? And I said, well, it didn't really make me feel anything. I, I came home and, and we ate, you know, or we ate and then we came home and then I played, I killed zombies and, and built up my base. So the zombies couldn't get me. I played literally from, I want to say two o'clock till 11. I turned it off and hit record. You know, that's what I'm saying. I know I'm going kind of through a manic phase cause that's what happens. I get, I get totally focused. And the other day I had a cleaning fit that lasted the whole day. Um, it just, these things happen <laughs> and at least I can use them for good. You know, was it Stuart Smalley? Oh no, no. Deep thoughts with Jack Handy. One of my favorite one of his was if I ever go temporarily insane, I hope I do some gardening cause boy, I'll be surprised. And after you get that, you'll realize that's pretty funny. And at least if I got to be manic, <laughs> At least I'm getting things done. You could argue that uh, building a, a zombie-proof base is not very productive, but um, I make up for it in other other areas. Trust me. And plus, once you've preached, 
I think you've worked an eight hour day. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, gosh. Yeah. Oh, on Facebook. I said on Facebook, somebody said, how to make you feel. And I said, I don't know. I didn't really feel anything. I'm, I'm just kind of chilling, you know? And she says, well, did it make you happy? And I realized what she was actually asking was, you know, how did, how did, you know, what was the deal? And I said, well, I'm going to be talking about it tonight on my show. Uh, G okay. But, uh, I said, I'll tell you this. Yes, it made me happy that it was possible, but really what made it awesome is that my family was thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. Wife was proud of me. My my son was the only one. I, I think he's happy, but he's six, and he had to sit through a very long sermon and draw on a, a notepad. He's a good kid, but he gets squirmy. And apparently two things happened while I was preaching that I didn't notice and probably nobody noticed outside of the Kinnison aisle there is at some point he was wiggling around and he, he kind of jerked back and you know, the way pews are made, they got cloth except for the top rail and he cracked his head on that rail and started crying quietly in the service <laughs> serves him right. He's a little squirrely, but he does the same thing when we're trying to watch TV, just flipping around all over the place. Oh, God help you if you ever have to share a bed with him. He just, he moves around like a dog that's moving around a lot that has feet and hands instead of paws. Significantly less hair. Um, What was the other thing he did? He Oh! <laughs> Jen said, Jenna told me this one. They're just sitting there, and it was like one of my pauses, and it was real quiet, and Jay's lips just go, or I'm not doing it properly. He's got this little fart poot sound that he accidentally made because he was just doing mouth stuff, you know, being six. <laughs> but Jenna, Jenna, um, I, I don't know that she got anything out of the sermon. She's nine. It's pretty, some pretty hardcore stuff. She said, I asked her, what'd you learn? She says, I learned to trust God. And, and, you know, that's the answer you're going to give to your dad. Um, it's not about what she learned today. It's about what she experienced. And if there's anybody that's been watching this thing, like, a, like from a, an audience perspective, it's been my kids and especially her because she's older and understands more. And she's seen, she remembers what I was, whereas Jay doesn't remember me as a pastor. She saw where I went, and now she's seen the long road back, and she's always believed in me, and she's always said I was still a pastor. And uh, so, yeah, I like that girl. Somebody's going to want to try to marry her one day. And he is going to have a lot to live up to. Uh, all right, so that is it. I will let you go. Fifty-five minutes is long enough to talk about a sermon that's gonna that is fifty-three minutes long. <laughs> but uh, as as I was leaving, he pastor the, he's like, "Oh, that was good, brother." And he says, "Now I know I got somebody 
you know, when I need them. I'm like, well, any time. I said half-heartedly because, you know, at that time you're spent. You just don't want to. <laughs> I never want to do this again. I'm not sure how I feel about the experience. But I listened to the recording and I sound a lot more intelligent than I felt. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, but what helped was was really just having blogged, you know, written articles about God, and then just talking about life here. And uh, it's a little, you know, structured, of course, but I definitely am thrilled that I've been doing this because it has bled over into, I don't know, keeping me, keeping me on my toes as far as stage presence and projecting my voice and how to speak and how to tell a story and those kinds of things. It's not a perfect sermon, not claiming that that's the horrible thing about recording sermons is when you speak them, if you screw up or babble or say the wrong thing, people more or less forget all that. They just remember whatever their takeaway was, you know, whatever God, whatever part of the salad bar, you know, they needed the most. Uh, but when you record it, <laughs> it's all there and it's there every time I have not edited this thing except for the beginning and the end, just take out the, the clicking and clacking of me pushing the record button. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. I even took it down to mono. It recorded in stereo. And it was weird because when I went over to do my object lesson, the right side caught it, but the left side didn't. So when I mixed them together, it kind of muted it. So I just used the right side. That's just technical crap. Um, Guys, thanks for listening. This is GOK43. Uh, find out more about what I do at NLCast.com, um, especially that story show at thatstoryshow.com, formerly Nobody's Listening podcast. Um, I'm really proud of uh, Movie Beatdown at moviebeatdown.com, where we're beating down movies according to the, the 15 beats proposed in a screenwriting book called Save the Cat. It's a really great way to take movies that you love and turn them into something that you will love for a whole new reason. We don't talk about the special effects or the acting or even the direction as much as we talk about the story and the connections that you didn't even know were there. So check it out um, at uh, moviebeatdown.com. We're actually recording this Thursday. We're doing Paranorman. It's our first animated feature. So we'll see you guys. Uh, I guess I got Tuesday night, Tuesday night for uh, that story show. Um, we're doing a vacation theme show. So that'll be a lot of work, a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Take care.